1861, on the eve of the outbreak of the Civil War, the Confederacy issued its own currency, the Confederate dollar, or grayback. The Confederacy was only two months old at the time, and the South was the economic powerhouse of the United States, due in no small part to the fact that the labor force was composed of slaves. For that reason, the Confederate dollar initially held high purchasing power. The Confederacy had chosen the economic model of the Continental Congress from the Revolutionary War. That is, Confederate dollars were bills of credit. They were not secured or backed by any assets. Confederate currency carried the phrase across the top of the bill. It said, six months after the ratification of a treaty of peace between the Confederate States and the United States, the Confederate States of America will pay the amount of bill to the bearer. The value of that dollar fluctuated with the success of the Southern military. In 1863, one Confederate dollar was worth about six cents in gold. Obviously, the price did not stick around very long. By the end of the war, a single cake of soap would cost $50. An ordinary set of clothes, a shirt, and pants would cost $2,700. All told, the Confederacy printed $1.7 billion Confederate dollars, all of which, all of which was useless in 1866. In the kingdom of heaven, all human wealth is like the Confederate dollar. The wealth we have, the wealth that we all have here in the United States is not the currency of the kingdom. As the band Wilco sings, our love is God's money. The economy of the kingdom is based on relationship, love of God and neighbor, deep connection with all that was and is and is to come. God's economy is an economy of relationship. That's why we get this bit at the end here where Jesus is saying, look, you will have brothers and sisters, all these lands. When you follow, when you live into this life, you will be part of a deeper relationship, a relationship note that involves persecution. But the point here is that you live into an abundance of relationship at all times in your lives. Abundance it is a vision of abundance. But not everyone shares God's vision of abundance. Years ago, when I was bicycling through Nebraska, I came upon a region known as the Sand Hills. You guys might have heard me talk about this before. It's a natural treasure of wetlands and sand dunes where migrating birds find sanctuary and human beings seek solace. This is an absolutely incredible place that very few people talk about, but I know at least Beth is aware of its beauty and treasure. That said, it is called the Sand Hills. <laughs> and Biking through a region known as the Sand Hills is not so much fun. <laughs> you know, pushing a lot of pushing of the bike involved in that. Uh, but this, the Sand Hills, this beautiful area, sits atop the Ogallala Aquifer, 
174,000 square miles, square miles, fresh water extending under eight United States. I'm going to turn this guy down a little bit. <coughs> I made it worse. How's that? Better. Okay. Yeah, what's going on? By far, the, the majority of that volume of water, that huge body of water that provides the most drinking water for the United States, by far the largest volume of the aquifer is in Nebraska. As I biked through that area, I heard that Ted Turner was buying up as much of the land and water rights as he could. I was not surprised. Fresh water is essential to life. Its monetary value is only going to increase. According to the World Health Organization, 844 million people lack basic drinking water. 2.1 billion people drink unsafe water daily. 2.1 billion. Water is a big deal. And with climate change and population pressure, fresh water is a commodity whose value is on the rise. Did anybody see this week uh, that the Nobel Prize in economics was awarded to folks who had done economic work in climate change? Climate change, economics. This is the future. As Ted Turner purchases over 2 million acres of the most important source of potable and irrigation water in the country, I can't help but think about the wealthy people in the prophet Amos' time. Did you guys catch that from the Old Testament this week? They stockpiled wealth, wealth they would never enjoy. They built vineyards and stone houses, houses made of hewn stone. It is the same story that we've heard from Pharaoh. Pharaoh, whose vision of scarcity entrapped and enslaved the Israelites. Pharaoh, who walled himself in with his hoarding. We've talked about that from time to time, this, this notion of abundance and scarcity. We, that's a, that's a, a common theme that we discuss. If you are interested in that theme as it relates to Pharaoh, you need to check out this, this work by Walter Brueggemann called The Liturgy of Abundance and the Myth of Scarcity. It is terrific. But biblical scholar Matt Skinner calls that, that same approach, this, this hoarding tendency, he calls it the desire to acquire. The desire to acquire. I love that phrase because it's a great reminder that it's not just Pharaoh or Ted Turner or the Koch brothers who live in this vision of economic scarcity. We are all subject to the desire to acquire from time to time. Mary Beth is certain that I have the desire to acquire for towels, <laughs> which is probably, probably maybe that's true. And, and it's good to have people we live with, live in those relationships with people who be like, why do we have all these towels? There you go. <laughs> we were talking about it last night. I just threw that in the plastic. We forget the power as we are pursuing this desire to acquire. We forget the power of the love economy. We forget the abundance of relationship in the kingdom of God. Like the disciples, we ask, how is it possible for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle? 
how it is not possible for us. This passage makes so many people uncomfortable, makes us so uncomfortable that we try to make up ways around it. Many of you have probably heard sermons in which they talk about uh, this, this notion that in, in Jerusalem, that this passage was a reference to a, a gate in Jerusalem where a camel had to get down on its knees and whatever to pass through. That is absolutely not true. If you've heard that before, please wipe it from your entire memory and recognize that that, this is, that is not what is going on in this passage. That is an invention of an elite pope in the uh, early 7th century. That is not true. (laughs) So how is it possible for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle? How is it possible that less than 1% of the country controls 40% of the income wealth? How is it possible that Jared Kushner has quintupled his fortune in the last several years to $324 million without paying income tax? This is a government employee. How can that be? Today, Pope Francis will canonize Oscar Romero, Archbishop of San Salvador, who was martyred as he was celebrating Mass in 1980. Pope Francis listed Romero's, quote, attention to the most poor and marginalized as his cause for becoming a saint. Those are the same reasons Romero has been heralded by advocates of liberation theology for decades. This theology we discussed last week and over and over again here. Romero embodied God's preferential option for the poor. Because remember that phrase, the preferential option for the poor. Romero spoke to this, this notion of the desire to acquire with a phrase that's printed on the back of our bulletins this week. You can check it out. We've kind of replaced our MLK quote just for this week. But the phrase is, aspire not to have more, but to be more. Aspire not to have more but to be more. This week, wealthy people across the nation lamented as the bull market they have enjoyed since the election of President Trump took a nosedive. People panicked. Meanwhile, in the Florida panhandle, entire homes were wiped away by Hurricane Michael, the strongest hurricane to hit American soil in decades. In Palu, Indonesia, entire communities remain buried under the rubble as government searches ended following the massive earthquake and tsunami that struck the region. A man named Zukifli watched as the earthquake took his wife and seven-year-old son. Nine days later, workers found their bodies still holding one another. This is the eye of the needle. This is the connection in which we live. This is God's preferential option for the poor. We can spend our lives thinking about wealth. We can submit ourselves to the desire to acquire. But in the end, that wealth, that desire, that scarcity is just like a confederate dollar. 
Its value is meaningless in God's kingdom. Uh, There are people that would turn discipleship into a confederate dollar, a bill of credit, a promise for wealth in some distant future. But that is not what Jesus talks about. That is missing the point. In God's kingdom, we are all rich. We are all blessed with abundance. Abundance of connection, abundance of sisters and brothers, abundance of suffering. Don't forget that promise of persecution Jesus adds in there, in that list. No good deed goes unpunished. This grace is costly. Oscar Romero shows us. It will cost our worldly wealth. It will cost our worldly respect. It will cost our pride. And for some, it will cost our lives. But we are not alone. We are never alone. We are all part of a family that extends throughout all eternity, through all that is and was and is to come. In God's kingdom we discover the infinite wealth of love. Amen.